0: Today's review titled, Where Have You Been All My Life by Javis5. So glad I found Build Your Tribe. You are just the voice I need in my life and business right now. Blessings on all you do. This is my 60th year on the planet Earth, and I am just thrilled to be here.
1: Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson.
2: And my name is Brock Johnson.
1: Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, mom. This one's all you. Well, thanks, Brock. Yeah, this is one I know that Brock will be able to do hopefully someday soon, right? I believe in you, kid. And I'm not just saying that like as a mom to pump up my kid. Like I know he's going to be incredibly successful. And I know you, the listener, I know you're going to be incredibly successful. I don't know if you want to earn eight figures I don't know if you want more success than what you have today. I assume you do or you wouldn't be listening. Maybe you're like eight figures. Are you kidding? I cannot even relate. I would just like to make you know, four figures. It kind of, it's all the same, really. It's just how big do you want to set that dream? But so much of the fundamentals of getting to that place revolve around mindset and struggle and challenge. And in this interview today, that's what I'm talking about. The development and the stages that you go through in order to hit your goal. It was my goal to hit eight figures, but there's some painful pieces of that process. The same painful pieces and experiences that we went through to hit seven figures and really even to hit six figures initially. So I think you're gonna find a lot of takeaways, even if for you right now, thinking about like earning eight figures sounds crazy. And just to put things in perspective, don't forget that there are companies that earn you know seven figures and eight figures but that doesn't mean that that's what they are netting they aren't like you know 10 million in the bank necessarily there's always costs associated and sometimes those costs are not just financial costs sometimes the costs are emotional costs and relationship costs and and missed opportunities and missed time with family like there's more to it than sometimes this beautiful rosy golden i want to jump on my own private jet kind of thing going on so in this interview we get real it's what i like to call the messy middle that point when you feel like quitting it's really uncomfortable it's stressful you wonder if you've made the right decision it's that point before you you know really go to the next level it's that moment just before tipping point i think and for so many entrepreneurs you hear about like their startup days you hear about after the sale or after they've reached, you know, 10 million dollars in sales whatever it is, but very rarely do we hear the truth about the messy middle. Recently I was asked to be a guest on a podcast called Beyond 8 Figures with Steve Olsher. And he's got a group of folks that co-host it with him. Now, they interview entrepreneurs on their show who have exceeded or have at least hit the eight-figure mark. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but don't forget that there's always costs associated. When you hear someone's made 10 million or 8 million or even a million or even 500,000, you have to take into consideration all of the costs that go into that. It's not like, (laughs) woo, let's, you know, go to the car dealership and buy a bunch of cars. Like, There's a lot that's messy about it and uncomfortable. And in this interview, I just got completely honest with them. We talked about upturns and downturns in the business and what that feels like. And I talked about my early development as an entrepreneur. And normally when you listen to Build Your Tribe, it's me interviewing someone else. But today I wanted to share with you some perspectives I really haven't talked about before on Build Your Tribe. So please enjoy this interview with myself and the host of Beyond Eight Figures.
3: Starting, scaling, and exiting a business is hard. So why do some companies achieve 7-, 8-, and 9-figure exits while others struggle to reach 6-figures in revenue? To answer these questions, we sit down with top entrepreneurs who have exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million-plus businesses and grill them until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Welcome to Beyond 8 Figures. All right. Welcome to another edition here of Beyond Eight Figures. Steve Olscher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Hello, Mary Goulet. Richie Ote. What is going on, my brother? It's going great. You? Way's on it down the studio. Kelly's got on control back at headquarters and we are going to be joined by the amazing Shalene Johnson here today. Welcome, Celine Johnson, to Beyond Eight Figures. It is awesome having you here. Super excited. Love the pink microphone. Good to hang out with you. Well,
1: thank you. It's a real honor. Thank you for having me.
3: Absolutely. And so here on Beyond 8 figures we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than 10 million dollars or currently run businesses that gross more than 10 million dollars annually and try to get to the bottom of exactly how they started and scaled and in some cases exited from that business. And so will you please share with us uh, how do you meet that criteria? Did you exit from a business or do you currently have a business that grosses more than 10 annually? How, how do you meet that criteria?
1: Gosh, well, I think the first thing I should say, and to be completely transparent, as we are in and out of that category. Sure. You know, like 2017 was in excess of of 10 million, and 2018 was not. Yeah. We're kind of in the messy middle right now. My husband and I, Brett, we own a lifestyle company. And the way that we were able to, you know, get beyond even a million dollars was by diversifying having more than one stream of income, having more than one platform, having more than one business under an umbrella business. And that has been a blessing. And sometimes it is a curse, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out how to balance. It's, I always liken it to having a lot of children, you know, and, and the more children you have, the more love you have, but at the same time, it really can divide your attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, that's where we're at today, really. Yeah. And, and I know it's kind of, broad in general, but
3: I thought it would start there and let you dig deep. Yeah. No, no, no. So and and appreciate the candor. And then that is sometimes what happens, as you said, just kind of ebbs and flows. And and also your priorities shift. Right. I mean, sometimes you're in that let's go, go, go mode. And I want to ramp up my team. I want to ramp up revenue. I want to do this big, huge, you know, maybe get to nine figures. And then you wake up and you go, my God, why am I working so damn hard? Yeah. Right. So yeah. is was that part of the process here for you? Is you just realized, like, maybe you're just working, just kind of burning the candle at both ends and you want to slow <laughs> it down a bit?
1: I wish I could say that were true, but no, uh, <laughs> it's it's not. You know, the fact of the matter is, I think we love talking about the beginnings and the ends and you know the exit and we love hearing about the entrepreneur who had this brilliant idea and they started in a one-bedroom apartment and it sounds so romantic and then they exited for you know 50 million dollars and then we love talking about the end and frankly we are it's been like 2018 was a really tough year for me because it it had been easy like they say your first million is the toughest and then after that it just kind of gets easy and I think there has been, I, I know I've been cocky mentally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy easy. Like you just solve problems for people and you find the right people to help you build your team out and and you just stick to your integrity and your morals and your ethics and your, your belief and your principles and it just, it can slowly scale. And I always assumed, because it felt very linear, you know, that, mm-hmm. that trajectory of our, of building our businesses. And then in, 2016, 2017, I had a health scare and decided based on passion to start a new startup. And so we, we started a new venture really launched it in 27, end of 2017, end of 2017, really 2018 was our first, what I would consider our first full business year with that new business venture. And I was so devoted to that, that it wasn't, frankly until the middle of about 2018 that i realized we had so divided our attention and given so much attention to this new child that we had adopted and it was a real learning experience that it you know for me i don't care about the money but when i the the money for me is a score Mm -hmm. it's a it's a monitor for me to say okay we're we're doing the right things we're we're spending our time wisely. We're focused on the right areas, and you know, I just sat down with my husband Brett, and we were really missing the mark financially. And then when we were looking at all the areas that were suffering the most, it were the, they were everything other than our startup. And it was it's difficult not to lose hope in those times, especially when you've had a lot of success and it's been almost easy success. It's like I don't, don't want to play. Then if I'm not winning, I don't want to play. I, you know, I don't want this to be hard. Why? Should, why am I doing something that's hard when I've already figured out how to do this in a way that's much easier. And so for us, I I can't tell you that it was wanting to slow back. Not at all. Like it was last year was my busiest, toughest year mentally, emotionally, uh, physically. Um, It it challenged me as a leader. It challenged me as an entrepreneur beyond my wildest measure. And it's been humbling and it's been a test of my perseverance. Mm -hmm. So can I ask a question? Yeah, for sure. With the new venture that you just
0: started or and launched in 2017, could you have taken in hindsight the same sim- simple process that you started with in the very beginning and overlay that onto that new business, or did? How go, dare you? Yeah, <laughs> go back to the How beginning. Point out
1: the obvious. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think the mistake that we made the mistakes that we've made have really served us and this is going to be a ginormous year. I'm so thankful for a setback year because it makes all the success that much more delicious and I don't know if you, you guys have had difficult times in marriages or relationships. Nah. But <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> One of the reasons why I like, I, I so cherish my marriage with my husband is because we've been through some really crappy times. You know what I mean? And like getting through those makes it just makes it so much more enjoyable to be in a a good space. And so I'm thankful for those tough lessons. I would say to answer your question, one of the things that we did is we like, okay, this this is a new type of business. It's a new type of venture. Let's do this the way the big boys do it. And you look at the playbook of other companies that have done the same things as you. And again, I think those playbooks often include the beginning and the end, and there's all these pages missing from the middle. And so I would say that we, we invested a lot of money on uh, nearly a million dollars in advisors yeah. and advisors. And that can, that can take you off of the course of what you know has worked for you in the past and overcomplicate things. And I, and I think that's partly what we did. We were too fast which made it difficult to manage all of the moving pieces. Mm
3: -hmm. And,
1: and frankly, um, it is a new space. So the other areas where I think we missed the mark is me being stubborn about what I believed the messaging needed to be. And then just coming to the realization that that is not the message Mm -hmm. that our target audience wants to hear. So our new business, by the way, is called the one, three, one method. And it is It's a program that teaches people how to get healthy from the inside out, how to improve their gut health, how to understand their metabolism and lose weight and get healthy in the process. It's an online community um, with a subscription model. So there's that continuity piece to it, which we're really familiar with. And we're really familiar with the online space, the space part that we weren't familiar with. And this is going to sound surprising to people because they probably think of me as a health and fitness person is we we've never marketed to customers who are looking for weight loss Mm. and because I really was hell bent on this program stepping away from the diet and fitness culture that I think is so unhealthy I was stubbornly holding on to a message that you know this is the anti-diet program that we're marketing to people who are looking for a diet. You see what I'm saying? It's almost like Mm -hmm. marketing the natural, the natural look to women who are looking for full coverage, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And, and so we really, and that was me. Like, I just felt like it was selling out to talk about weight loss, even though weight loss is part of the natural progression when people improve their gut health and get healthy from the inside out. But I was so stubborn about and passionate about that message that it, it cost us a lot of missed opportunities and it was really hard to land the marketing
3: piece let's um Hmm. and let's take a a couple of steps backwards because um there are people believe it or not who don't know your story and don't Uh know what you've done and all of the interesting things in the in the health and nutrition and fitness worlds and so on and so forth um so let's take a step back i mean were you always an entrepreneur or did you, let's take a bunch of steps back. Like, were you always sure. an entrepreneur? Did you have the regular job? Were you, <laughs> like, let, how did you get into this world? And what is this world originally? And now what it's evolved into, we just talked about. But I want to make sure that people understand your journey as well, because there's a lot of steps here. I know you don't tell that story all the time, mm-hmm. but the steps before the steps that got you here.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. No, I, I never intended, well, I've always been an entrepreneur. My my I was raised by an entrepreneur, my dad's had, you know, 50 different businesses. So growing up, we were always broke because none of those businesses really popped. But I didn't know we were broke. um, So I had really good money mindset instilled in me from a young age. If we wanted something, whether it was clothes or toys or a trip or anything, my parents would say, they didn't say the typical things you'd hear like, uh, well, money doesn't grow on trees or we're broke. They would just say, that sounds amazing. Let's come up with a plan for you to earn that to make that money. And then once you burn that money, you can decide if you want to spend that money. And hmm. so I learned that really young. And I always had these little side businesses from such an early age. And then when I told my parents, I wanted to go to college and neither sides of my family had ever gone to college. Uh, they were like, that's great. Let, you know, so now we've got to figure out a way for you to, to pay for it. And uh, my dad took me to the, an auction, an automobile auction Mm. in the state of Michigan. I was eight, I was 15 years old and I used my own money saved up from odds and in jobs and bought a used vehicle from the state of Michigan. I bought an orange El Camino (laughs) and uh, I couldn't drive, but I spent the winter fixing it up cosmetically, had it painted for $99 by Earl Scheib. Nice. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I sold it and made about a thousand dollars. And that was like, wow, uh, this is great. So I just continued that process and kept buying, Fixing up cosmetically these vehicles from the state auctions because they were all, all state owned vehicles. Hmm. Um, so they had low mileage, but they were just dirty. And I would kept selling them and reselling them. And, and I learned a lot about cars. And I learned how, my dad would make me sell it myself. He would, you know, make me talk to the people who were coming to buy the vehicle and learn everything about the vehicles. And um, I did that all the way through high school. And it was enough to pay for me to go to school. Once I went to Michigan State, I then realized it was really cumbersome to be uh, this 19-year-old petite blonde girl meeting men late at night with an exchange of cash looking at vehicles. (laughs) And it was also really inconvenient. So I started a business called the All Michigan Auto Swap Meet. And I rented a, a giant acre of land from the state and every weekend I would hold these giant swap meets where you came as a private owner of your vehicle and people who were in the market to buy a vehicle from a private owner would come and I would you know, take a little bit from both parties. And that was really my first business. I also, at the same time, I'm in college, you know, so I'm trying to do all these different things. I, I also was in an MLM. I sold knives
3: Mm-hmm. door-to-door. Cutco? Was that uh, <laughs> was that a Cutco thing back in the day? Yes. Yeah.
1: That's right, baby. And mm-hmm. I, I love them. So like, mm-hmm. I, I never felt like I sold them. I, I love Cutco knives, but yeah. I did a lot of different things. Um, my degree is in justice, morality, and constitutional democracy. Hmm. Uh, so, I, I, nothing related to fitness, nothing related to exercise or health, but I, 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 I taught fitness classes and went for fun. And I realized, like, this is a losing proposition. These women are spending you know, seven, six, seven hours putting together a class, making a little more than minimum wage for the one hour that they're teaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is a losing proposition. I'm going to, but I've got this format that really works. I'm going to, I'm going to sell it to other instructors. So that was my first entry into uh, the health and fitness arena. And it took off. And my husband and I eventually certified 60,000 fitness instructors across the globe in 20 some odd countries. We then started an apparel company uh, that went with it in motivational camps. And we had distributors all over the United States. Now, that was,
3: through, that was through Beachbody, right?
1: No, that wasn't. No. That was our own thing. That was your own um, thing? Yeah.
3: yeah. Wow. That so caught why?
1: the attention of infomercial companies. So that business continued to grow. We were in the largest health clubs in the country. Um, and it just caught the attention of all the infomercial companies, one of which was was Beachbody. Now they do consumer workouts. So we had these two businesses where I was doing consumer workouts for them. The first one I did was called Turbo Jam. And it was a number one infomercial in 2004. And we made millions of dollars on that, sold tens of millions of DVDs. And that was Beachbody. I was in partnership with them. And at the same time running my own business, our own business, certifying instructors. And we were smart enough that when we negotiated, we made certain that whatever consumer products we did, we used a very similar name. Mm -hmm. So we got all that like great SEO and all that, you know, search engine, Mm -hmm. um, people searching for me, et cetera. So it really built our business at the same time. And eventually we just realized we're like bidding on the same terms and, you know, we're fighting for the same customer. And uh, eventually Beachbody and and Powder Blue Productions, we reached an agreement, and they they bought us out.
3: Hmm. Interesting. So, was that a? I mean, if you have that sort of traction, one would think on the surface that would be a fairly lucrative exit. Was it? What was that? A almost ten, you know, million dollar exit. I can't exit?
1: disclose. I can't disclose, uh, and I wish I could, but I, I cannot disclose any part of that deal at okay. this time. Um, but I can tell you, it was yeah, we wouldn't have done it if it wasn't.
2: You know, because mm-hmm.
1: that was my baby. Um, but it was a beautiful deal and it was, it was a great opportunity. And I, I'm still in partnership with Beachbody for uh, the infomercial side of things, which means that I earn a royalty on anything sold. And then, of course, we have a separate royalty still in place for the businesses that we sold the certification company. But my infomercial Pio, uh, as of today, is, is the number one fitness infomercial on TV even still. So that's exciting.
3: Mm-hmm. So, so the, you know, that,
1: that's a branch of our businesses. And, and then um, what, when we freed ourselves up from doing the certification, doing the apparel, doing like all of that and all of those employees, that side of things, Brett and I then kind of stepped back into what I was super passionate about, which has always been business. Like I've always said, I don't know how I ended up in health and fitness. It's not what I studied. I did that by accident. I love mm-hmm. business and I want to teach people how it is we do this. So we started creating online academies, uh, teaching entrepreneurs from idea inception all the way to perhaps a sellout. Like the entire journey, we wanted to take care of people and help them understand exactly what we did and how to do this online.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so... Just so just so we're clear on this, I mean, when you talk about, you know, Pio being as as popular as it is, I mean, do do you own that brand? Do you just receive it? Did did, like is it a guthy rancor? They like like how does that? We sold
1: that brand. Yeah. So great, great question. So that was things work very differently now in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You won't. I really highly doubt that you'll see anyone ever again create their own brand, bring it to a company, and then sell that brand to an infomercial company. Because they just don't, it's it's too expensive. It's a pain in the butt. It's a pain in the butt to have to pay and deal with the intellectual property rights and the ownerships, et cetera. But I created PIO 13 years ago, and then we sold the rights to Pio to Beachbody. And so I I earn a royalty on sales Mm -hmm.
3: uh,
1: of both the consumer workouts and the workouts that are in the health club. So we certify instructors on the industry side of things. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just so that we're clear now, you you opted to go ahead and and sort of sort of jump into this online type of of world, right? I mean, was it was it through friendships with people like Brendan and those sort of folks that really opened your eyes to the opportunities here? Or how did how did you make that transition into sort of Shalene the brand, so to speak? Yeah.
1: And I think it's interesting because people know me from in- infomercials or books. Yeah. But, you know, we to, if you know, we're talking about money and it, it's been far more lucrative for us to do our own thing online with academies than it has ever been to do. Infomercials, mm. especially today, like today, it, today is a completely different ball game because nobody channel surfs. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's a difficult, difficult business to be in. And P.S. There, it's difficult to sell fitness because it's everywhere on an app, YouTube, Instagram, and people give it to you for free. So it's really difficult to sell. Yeah. To answer your question about Brendan and other experts in the industry, I wasn't friends with them. I was a student when we sold. Uh, Powder Blue Productions, and I'm like, I'm going to teach people how to do this online, but there's so much I need to know. I, I don't know how to build an email list. You know, we had sold tens of millions of exercise DVDs, and I didn't even have one of those customers' emails. Wow. Oh when we gosh. sold Powder Blue Productions, we sold the email list to them as well. So we had to start from scratch, from mm-hmm. ground zero, and I did not know how to do that. So the first, my first step was to spend a year investing in an education that I didn't get in college, you know, Mm -hmm. certainly learn more about business in a year of, of taking every online course and attending every seminar and learning from the experts and paying for private consultations and paying for high end member, uh, masterminds to learn how to do all these things and to, to go through the painful process of figuring out, okay, now I know all these pieces. What order do I, build them in and so all of the people that you mentioned yeah i was a student of theirs and eventually you know i think anyone any coach wants to celebrate the student who who has success because they listen to their coach yeah for sure and I'm, I'm a good student
3: so let so let's take a step back then in terms of there are a lot of people who are and i think a lot of folks just kind of took for granted like oh it's Shalene, it, of course she can create a, a top-rated podcast of course she can launch. You know it's Marketing Impact Academy, right? That's one of the yeah, I mean, of Correct, course, you can yes. launch that course, and you know, of course, you can get to, to having this many followers on it. I mean, it, it's shalene, like you, but what people don't mm, perhaps understand is that side of the story where you started really just like everyone else, where you started with zero downloads on your podcast, zero subscribers to your email list, zero. Facebook fans. I mean, you Mm -hmm. literally started from scratch. So Mm -hmm. take us through how you then developed Shaleen the brand, so to speak, in terms of what, what did you do first? Then what did you do? Because there's a lot of people who have expertise like you do. And look, we live in a new media world. We host an event called the New Media Summit, right, where we teach all about building a scalable, sustainable new media business, right? So, I mean, that's a lot of what we do. But a lot of folks don't understand that like the old ways of operating aren't coming back. Like you you can't put That's your right. head in the sand and, and pretend that whatever that world was is is coming back. Like you have to embrace the, the concept here of building a scalable and sustainable new media business, which you right. have done better than most. So, <laughs> so let's go through what did you do? So like what did that look sure. like? when you started, because to get to 10 million and then back to seven or eight or whatever and back to like, that's all in this world. That's right. So take us through what you did and then what you encourage people to think about either through your teachings of MIA and some of the other things that you do, because I know you teach this quite extensively, but take us through the embryonic stages of that.
1: Thank you for that question too, because I, I do believe that a lot of people look at someone who's got notoriety or maybe a following and they assume like, Oh, this is going to be easy for them. And I have so many contemporaries who have twice the number of followers that I did at the time, certainly um, more name notoriety. Mm-hmm. Uh, one person I, I like to share the story cause you know, we're friends and he knows I share the story, but Tony Horton and I, um, and Tony Horton, the year my book push came out was also the, you know, the year that we had sold powder blue productions and he had a million plus, you know, just so many followers, and was on every late night TV. Like P ninety X had become a a pop culture term. Everyone was doing P ninety X. Nobody sure. knew my name. Everybody knew his name. We were with the same publisher and released books at the same time. And my book became a New York Times bestseller, and his became uh, a great book. And I would say the reason why isn't because that notoriety, because I had done my studies, I had. I listened to the experts and I believed when they said, here's what you need to do first. Don't worry about your social media, get your foundation in place. So I would have to say, I think the number one mistake that most entrepreneurs make is that they think it's about a huge following and they do the things that are, hard, but also easy. And that's like focusing on social and you've got to get your foundational pieces in place first. You have to know, you have Mm. to know who it is you're helping. You have to know who your lifer is and how you're going to serve them and who you want to repel and what it is they're looking for. What do they think the problem is? Not what do you think the problem is? Or what do you think the solution is? What do they think the problem is? Because you have got to lead with that and once you know who your life is, then you've got to create those foundational pieces that build your email list so you can take the relationship off of social media because you can't sell on social media. Mm-hmm. You can build a rapport on social media. It's but on your email list, you can sell and you've got so much more freedom. And that's where that passive income comes in. That's where the upsells, the downsells, the, the freemiums that build your email list that change people's lives and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing that I got this free thing from you and it it gave me this type of transformation. I can't imagine what would happen if I invested in you. And so we spent those early years, I'd say the first two years really just focused on building an email, an email list. And if I can give you the first tactical thing that we did, I'll tell you what we did and I would tell you how I would do it today because they're different. Uh and that was I, I went on Facebook in December of 2010 and said, all right, guys, I'm going to help you understand how I create a daily to-do list and accomplish my goals in 90 days instead of a year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you, I call it the push goal system. And if, if, you, want, if you want to sign up and do that, then uh, give me your email address. And for every day, for 30 days, I'm going to send you one email a day, just a really quick email, and I'm going to walk you through this process. Now, this is 2010. hmm now these kind of challenges are a dime a dozen. Yeah. Uh, but that grew our list in less than about two months time to over 100,000. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Without any advertising. It was all word of mouth. You know, then once pe- someone signed up, I would send them, a, you know, we had a, a funnel of emails that they would get an email that said, okay, now I need you to invite somebody else to be your partner. And so it just kept doubling and doubling and doubling.
3: So, time out for one second. So let, let's just take a look at the, again, the the logistics behind that. So it would still work today. I mean, the challenges, as you said, there are a dime a dozen, but they're still out there. So if you were structuring that today, how would you, and Richie uses this term all the time about bouncing, uh, and you really want to bounce folks from from one platform into your ecosystem. So again, like, I mean, with your podcast, you've got a, I don't know, million downloads, whatever it is, but you don't know who those people are. So you have to bounce them Somehow into communication with you You have to be able to develop that relationship with them, right? So Mm -hmm, same mm -hmm. thing with with the social in terms of what you're talking about. So what would that look like? So if you did that today, again, going to Facebook, what would that look like, sound like and how would you bounce them into your ecosystem? Virtually
1: the same way. I just where where I would change things is I would never do a 30 day challenge again. Okay, Uh, I shouldn't say never our attention span is so much shorter than it was then, you know, to get someone to open here, here's the deal. You have to remember, people feel good about finishing things. And we feel like we failed or we didn't do it right. If we don't finish something. Mm -hmm. So I had, if I were to do it today, I'd be setting people up for failure because I I know people aren't going to pay attention for 30 days for something that they got for free. Mm -hmm. They may pay attention for seven days. So I, I would shorten the length of time I would make, Everything else I would pretty much do the same, but just, you know, a little a little bit more brand. So
3: again, just so we're clear on this, how do you get them on your email list? So if you just do the post so on Facebook. I'm, I'm yeah.
1: At the, yeah. So it would be going live. So I think the best way to do this today is to go live regularly, like almost every single day. And every single day you find a way to offer something of value, that call to action is essential. Like if if you're just going live to get likes and views, you might as well be a a middle school boy. Like it's just, that's a waste of time mm-hmm. if you don't have an intention behind it. So the intention every single time you go live should be, which by the way you can do on Instagram live, you can do on YouTube now, we can do it on, on every platform you can yeah. go live and it's really powerful. That is incredibly powerful. Just showing up day after day after day and you just find something related to what it is you're suggesting people opt into, and you find something that you can teach that day and Frankly, people love on live when you're just there answering questions for them. A little bit of teaching, a whole lot of interacting, call to action, you know, rinse and repeat, do it the next day. Mm -hmm. And each day that call to action is, guys, if if this is valuable to you, I've got something that I think you're going to really love. So go to, somebody put this in the comments below, go to blah, 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 and you'll receive or you'll be automatically signed up for or you'll be able to download or you'll be on my. And people will do that and they love it. Mm -hmm. And it's just really key that... People remember, if you aren't using your freemium, it's really not a relationship.
3: Mm-hmm. Right? And when you, you, say, when you say you say freemium, think. I mean, that sounds to me like it's a trial that then moves them into some sort of paid program, product, or service. Is that what you mean by the term?
1: The, when I say, and you'll have to forgive me, so... Opt-in, lead magnet, freemium, all kind of the same thing. In other okay. words, it's an exchange where you're giving me your email address in exchange for a tool, a download, an audio, a PDF, a phone call, a discount, mm-hmm. uh, etc. And mm-hmm. so for some people that might lead a free trial is an example of a freemium or an opt-in. In our case, it was a free trial and we often will use a, a free trial Uh, or a free program or a free download, but it's followed up with a number of, of email sequences that ultimately lead to their first purchase. Mm -hmm. And that that is building the customer journey. You know, one of the, I don't want to say it was easy because we definitely made mistakes along the way. And one of them I think was that I always wanted to give our customers so much, it was almost too big. And mm-hmm. I've learned that people want to be successful. They, they don't value a lot of content as much as they value their time. Mm-hmm. So the shorter and the more concise the content I can deliver to people, the quicker I can give you results, that has far more value than thinking, oh, I've got to create this big, huge, monstrous thing that's got all these layers and bells and whistles and, and modules in order to charge a premium. Yeah. Uh, the premium is on how quickly can you get people results in the shortest amount of time
3: mm. no I love that and so what what is the size of your email list today? nine years fast forward, nine years later approximately
1: oh uh, yeah, so uh you know segmented it, 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 there's different segments, so there's like a health and fitness segment and a, an entrepreneurial segment mm-hmm. and uh you know so before I were to combine all of them, we're close to a million
3: yeah yeah so neat. And,
1: and and it's a clean list, so we're constantly cleaning our list, and by that I mean when people are opting in to something for free, as you know, we all have our good email address and the email address that we use to subscribe to things that we don't care if we get spammed, mm-hmm. right? So I'm forever trying to figure out like, how can I get your real address? How can I get your best address? Mm-hmm. I need you to trust me so much that you're, you're not gonna give me that phony email or the one that you never open. You're gonna give me the one that you know you're going to see my follow-up email Mm -hmm. you're looking for it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that point Mm -hmm. is really well taken. So, So going back again to sort of the, you know, we've got this person A who has expertise in subject B, and they're really trying to figure out how to get into this new media landscape. So the idea of going live and bouncing people into the ecosystem, getting onto the email address, that's all well and good, getting onto your subscriber list. That's all well and good, but then how do you, what would be a first step and what was your first step? Let's start with this. What was your first step back in the day to monetize your expertise in this new media landscape? And then what would you recommend people's first step be today Mm -hmm. to monetize their expertise?
1: So, my objective in creating that email list initially was because I wanted to write a book about personal development goal setting and productivity and, and focus and, and how to, to do all of these things that so much of so many of us want to do, but at the same time to be present for your family. And that was the book Push. When I started shopping that around with my agent, he's like, listen, I can get you a diet book. I can get you a fitness book, but I can't really get you a personal development book because you're not known for that. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what do I have to do then? He said, you've got to give people results. You've got to get before and afters. You've got to get stories. You've got to build that list. And so I said, fine. And that's what was the catalyst behind creating that first 30 day challenge. And that is why I'm sure of it. The book was a New York Times bestseller. I didn't do any press for it. I, I did one appearance. We completely used our email list to make it happen. And because you don't make money from books, Uh, you know, at least the the traditional publisher way. um, I I studied what other experts had done in terms of building a a back end to the book so that Mm -hmm. when people purchased the book, you know, we offered a free, a freemium. So if you, if you pre, if you pre-ordered the book, you got this basically a jump start that would teach you how to start goal setting and mindset, et cetera. And, and so people got that for free. And once they got that, now we had their email address. Because if you're selling books or DVDs online, you're you're not getting those or anything on Amazon, you're not getting those people's email addresses. So you've got to figure out a way mm-hmm. to create the back end. And then ultimately we we upsold them a an online academy that was called Smart Success. And that was like it was like the book, but the big life version of it, like how you can take this and really affect your finances and your relationships and your time management and your goal setting. And, and that was an online academy that we sold for a thousand dollars. And, and that was a sequence of emails. Mm -hmm. That's how we did it. And then going live, what I would do for, what I would tell people to do today is this, which, which wasn't available at the time. It's so much easier to figure this out today. Um, because I, I don't, I would never recommend someone offer, like go from high Here's a a freemium to a a $1,000 sale. That makes no sense. It was like ridiculous Mm -hmm. that we even tried that. Uh, And we were lucky that it it did work. But today, people need an on-ramp. They need a journey. So if you're giving them this $1,000 course, there's no place to go. Mm -hmm. It's like they're one and done. Um, Today, what I would suggest doing is not to create anything ever unless you're co-creating it with your audience. Today, Mm -hmm. I believe that because we have the ability to go live, it's what we used to pay when we were testing an infomercial. We would pay tens of thousands of dollars per hour to have a focus group telling us what they liked and didn't like. Mm -hmm. Watching what, you know, maybe they were watching an infomercial in real time and telling us like, yes, no, yes, no. Why do you call it that? Oh, I don't like that person, that testimonial that doesn't seem real, I don't believe it. You know, we could get those responses, but you had to spend a fortune with a firm that could do that type of research for you. Today, if you have 10 people who will engage with you online when you go live, You have the most valuable focus group ever because the members of that focus group will also become your biggest fans. They're co-creating it with you. Mm -hmm. And because you've listened to them, they've got a vested interest in promoting and talking about it and they'll be your first customers. They will be your best customers and they will be ultimately your advisors, Mm -hmm. your customers, the people you interact with are going to tell you how to name it, what to price it at, what they want to be included in it, how quickly you should go through it, what medium they want, where they're struggling, what software you need to develop. They will tell you what they want. Yeah. The last thing entrepreneurs should ever do today is try to create anything in a test tube.
3: Yeah. Let, and let's talk about your revenue today then. So where, what's the revenue breakdown in terms of what it is that you, that you offer? Generally speaking, in terms of percentages, you don't have to go into specifics. I'm not expecting that. And of course, if you had that, we'd take, love uh, to... Of course, if you had that, we'd love for, to hear it. But I'm just curious, like, where does the Shalene world of revenue all come together? Yeah. Is it the 80 20? And, and you know, you're sure, is, is the majority of your revenue coming from just a couple things? Break that yeah. down for us.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't have percentages, I can guesstimate. Sure. Um, so let me start first with 27, because I almost want to erase 2018. We, we, let, we lost focus on some things that were really great generate money generating fun passion projects for for all of us and because we didn't pay attention to them the revenue dropped there in 2018 but generally speaking uh, about fifty percent of our revenue is from our online academies um, maybe fifteen percent from infomercials and uh, then I would say another twenty percent from physical products.
2: Mm-hmm. So that
1: would be like journals and um, accessories, water bottles, things that support the one through one method.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and in and, and 2017, I'm, I'm sorry, in 2019, uh, the year that we're in right now, we, we start, we realize, oh my gosh, we've got we've got these great online marketing academies that we just need to make sure they're getting our attention Mm to and bringing on enough people to support the growth that we need for the one through one method. The one through one method this year, I think will likely be uh, about 40% of our revenue and the online academies hopefully uh, will be the other 60%. That one through one method though is going to take up the majority of my time and efforts, which is interesting because I've just, there's a, there was a time in December when I just basically threw a temper tantrum, you know, late at night with my husband. I'm just like, oh, we just need to be done with this. It's, it's too hard. I don't, I don't want to go through this growth period. I don't want to struggle to figure out how to get VC capital because really the long game with the one-through-one method is in the data, it's understanding how how do we develop out the technology where we, we have all the data on people's um, their eating habits and their weight loss and all the information like where they live and their age and, and their interests. Oh, that's that's the beauty of this program, mm-hmm. but it's also the most expensive piece, and it's a piece we don't know enough about. So we've got to make you know enough space for us to find the right investor. And to say like, okay, are, are we committed to doing this? And, and that's a real, it's a struggle I'm going to tell you as an entrepreneur because it's like, oh, but this is so, but this over here is so easy and we can do it in our sleep and it's, it's right there. Mm-hmm. But we also know, you know, maybe we'll get to 12, 15 million if we focus just on our online academies. But the potential of the one through one is far greater.
0: Yeah. And
1: for me, it's, it's about passion. It's about, I'm okay with running on fumes. I believe in it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all right with suffering through the messy middle. Um, and it was a difficult lesson to recognize that success isn't always linear. It's kind of up and down and up and down. And it's all been a blessing. I love growth, I love challenge. So this is all a good thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, points points really well taken. Before I hog them, like, any more here, Mary or Richard, anything? As I know we've covered a lot of ground. I just want to give you guys an opportunity to jump in here for well, sure. I know you build a lot with your husband, and a lot of this is because of that support support system you have for each other. And you said you threw a temper tantrum, but <laughs> what, how did that, I mean, obviously it turned out because you yeah. even kind of answered in the end of that question. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So what we did, thanks for asking. Cause that's true. I didn't really explain what came of that. It was just like, I exas- feeling exasperated. Like I wish, why am I, why are we working this hard? And we had uh, a year where the revenue didn't reflect our effort. And so we both just like really sat down and we looked at all the different areas of our business and all the things that we had done in the last year and all the money we had spent in areas where we were, it was new to us, all the agencies that we had hired. And we looked at all the other new projects and, and new businesses that had sprouted off of the one through one. And we said, let's get focused. Let's clear the clutter. Let's pull this project off. Let's pull this project off. It's not time yet. Mm -hmm. And so we removed a lot of the distractions. And then we redirected to say, where has a majority of our income always come from with the least amount of effort? And let's return a large portion of our time and our focus to that and let's structure it so that we have X number of date, like we really work in season. So we have X number of, you know, weeks really that we spend on each one of these projects and just got back to the basics, got back to realizing that sometimes when you have a lot of advisors giving you advice, you let go of what you know works because you've invested in them. And so I, I should take their advice. And and don't get me wrong. We got a lot of great advice and, and learn things we wouldn't have otherwise known without great advisors. And I, I just believe in coaches. I believe in mentors. You know, I, I just, and I'm a good student. And I, I love the shortcut that that can sometimes provide. But it can also sometimes turn the volume down on your own intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think we we just spent way too much money and way too much time on very expensive, costly agencies. Um, I would say that was probably the biggest mistake we made in 2018. And then bringing people on too quickly, expanding too Mm -hmm. quickly, um, doing things that I don't think that we need to be doing for another year or two, at least, until the business, you know, until we get the marketing right, frankly.
3: Yeah.
0: Mary? Well, I was just going to say, I was going to ask this earlier in the episode. When you started this new business, it's almost as if you look to other people for the answers that you most likely already had, the two of you had, because you had such a strong beginning. And that's when I had commented, maybe with this new one, if you just did what you did with the first ones and trust your gut, trust your instincts on it and your intuition yeah, and put the money in the bank. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of, thank you, Mary, for asking that. I think, I think a lot of the decisions we made, I would agree. Um, And there are some things that we just didn't know. like, and I'm trying to give you some examples. Um, well, I'm sure certain aspects were totally new. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and those, those things, the things that were totally new where we were outside of our realm of expertise or even experience were super helpful. But you're 100% right that we turned down the volume on doing things the way that we once did. And in fact, one of our advisors, you know, was always saying, you can't operate this business the way you've taught other people to build businesses, the way that you built your previous businesses. If this is going to be a $20, $30 million, $40 million business, you've got to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, yeah, of course, of course. And I agree, we did do a lot of things differently, but I think s- too many of them we did too fast. Right,
0: you mentioned the speed was too much.
3: Yes. Yeah, Let, let's yeah. do this because we're going to, unfortunately, we're going to come up against it here. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to take up, your whole day too because i know how busy you are and you got a million different things going on but let's um let me ask you what may turn out to be more of an emotional question for you from the standpoint of look i mean you're you're a beautiful woman you're in amazing shape you do all the stuff in the health and fitness worlds you have i mean a multi-million dollar business i'll be with the ebbs and flows and it'll get to where it's going to get to in 2019 and beyond but what what do you still struggle with Today, like, what's what's the Chalene behind the scenes mm. that people don't have? I mean, five hundred and twenty-eight thousand mm-hmm. followers on Instagram, and you look great, and you I know you take the makeup off sometimes, and this, that, and the other. But what? Yeah, I know, right? But what's what's the untold story? Struggle, yeah.
1: Uh, oh gosh, that's a good question. So um, always imposter syndrome, mm. right? So that's always there, um, and you know, especially when it comes to health and fitness, I oh, because I didn't study it, because I hadn't intended to have the business and the success that I did, I always felt like, what am I doing here? Someone's going to, you know, check my credentials. So mm-hmm. I, I, I ended up getting certified from like 12 different bodies because I was like, the more knowledge I have, the, the more certain everyone will be that I belong here. Mm-hmm. And I, I still feel that today. I still struggle with imposter syndrome. I also struggle with control. You know, I, I struggle to want to micromanage people and I struggle with that balance. Like, so sometimes I'm, i I either step away and let everybody do their own thing. And then I come back and I'm like, Oh shoot, they needed some direction. Mm-hmm. Or I get so in the weeds that I don't do the things that only I can do. Um, I would say where I'm strong as an entrepreneur is that I really do protect and guard my ability to daydream every single day mm. and, and to think and to process. And I don't feel guilty about that. Like, a lot, you know, I my assistant knows that I don't want anything scheduled for my day until after 11 a.m., I'm working, but it wouldn't look like work to anyone else. But that's how I, that's how I vet ideas. That's how I process. That's how I think. That's how I dream. That's how I plan. And I I think entrepreneurs, we can get really caught up in the like, every single minute of our day has to be scheduled. And if you don't give yourself permission to process, first of all, it's hard to enjoy what you're doing. And secondly, it's hard to dream the big dream. Yeah. Yeah. I get really that. sage
3: advice. Really appreciate you spending some time with us here. And whether it's in relation to starting or scaling or potentially even exiting from a business, any words, last words of advice here that you would share uh, in either of those three phases? Yeah.
1: You just also made me realize something I probably should have brought up earlier. So we. We built Powder Blue Productions without an exit plan in mind. Mm -hmm. Once we decided that we were going to sell it, it, we spent about three years before we started marketing it to sell, getting it to a place where we could sell it because it was so brand dependent. I was in every single video Mm -hmm. for the instructors. I did all the clothing design. I did all the music production. And once we were like, oh, we need to sell this, but we can't sell me. So it took us about three years to to put the right people in place to transition our customers over. So they weren't expecting to see me in the videos to hire all the people to do all the things that I should have had them doing all along. Mm -hmm. And when we started building the one, three, one, we decided we would build this with the assumption that someday we would exit. So everything we've done, we've in that regard, we've, done successfully to create a brand that isn't dependent just on me. Although I think brands are, it's important to associate with a a face or an individual to start with, but all of the moving pieces, the expertise, the registered dietitians, the integrated medical doctors, they are the meat and bones of the program. It's their expertise. And that, that the advice I would give to anyone who's either currently in a business or wanting to start a business is to even if you think i'm gonna have this for the rest of my life someone may come to you Mm -hmm. and say we'd like to buy it so position yourself as if it's it's like your home yeah if you if you keep your home in such a way that you like as if there were going to be a showing Mm -hmm. because we all know what that's like yeah you you just feel calmer there's less chaos less clutter less you know you're and you're ready for guests to show up Mm -hmm. and i think if we look at our businesses in that same regard like just assuming. Just just be prepared that yeah. someone's going to want to buy your business someday. So you've got to build it in such a way that it's not completely dependent upon
3: you. Yeah, love that advice. And there's a million different ways for folks to get in contact with you. But uh, if, if you had to pick a favorite, how should folks connect with you today?
1: well your listeners would probably do best with uh my business podcast it's called build your tribe okay great and there i share a lot of you know as you can tell i'm pretty honest about where we are what we're doing and how we're doing it and i i believe wholeheartedly in the abundance mindset i'm going to tell you how i did it i'm going to tell you how to do it i'm going to share all my answers and that's what i do on build your tribe on uh, social media. Probably Instagram is where I'm the most active, and that's
3: Shaleen yeah. Johnson. Shalene Johnson. Well, nice, Shaleen, we really appreciate you being with us here on Beyond 8 Figures. And so for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and White Wade and Kelly Pelker, I'm Steve Olster. And thank you, Shaleen Johnson, so much for hanging out with us. And we will talk to everybody next time here on Beyond 8 Figures. Take care, everybody.
2: Hey there, I'm Miller Duray with Team Johnson. I wanted to share with you 11 ways to grow beyond 10,000 Instagram followers and monetize your page. Just go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash or by clicking the link below this episode. Shalene is going to share with you tested and proven tips you can start using today to monetize your account and grow your business with Instagram. If you find these tips helpful, then you definitely want to become a member of the Marketing Impact Academy. Not only will you learn cutting edge, up-to-date social media growth tactics for Instagram and other social media platforms, but you'll also get the exact steps you need to take to build your brand and a solid business foundation to create multiple streams of passive income and grow your business faster than you ever thought possible with, by the way, Lifetime Access, the only business growth and marketing course you'll ever need. Stop hustling on social media, okay? And get serious about your business growth.